everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Discovering Humanity and Health podcast. I'm so excited to have Dr. Amy Patel with me here today. Hi, Dr. Patel. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. Um, so my first question for you is, can you just introduce yourself for us and give some background about your education and career? Sure. So my name's Amy Patel, and I'm a breast radiology specialist. Uh, and I am the medical director of the Women's Imaging Center at Liberty Hospital, which is in the uh, Kansas City, Missouri area. Uh, I'm also assistant professor of radiology uh, at the University of Missouri School of Medicine. Uh, so I'm really happy to be here today and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. So can I ask you what your pathway was to becoming a radiologist and also an assistant professor? Sure. So I, you know, I went to medical school and I was fortunate to uh, essentially get admitted to an accelerated medical school program where I could finish my training in a shorter period of time at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. So then I ended up uh, after that going into radiology. I did my diagnostic radiology residency at the University of Kansas uh, and in Wichita. And then I ended up doing a breast imaging fellowship at Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, then after that, uh, when I was getting ready to figure out where I wanted to practice, I ended up uh, practicing out in Boston, Massachusetts at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Um, and I was on faculty there at Harvard. And it was really wonderful. But I, you know, initially grew up in Missouri. And I had this really wonderful opportunity to come back to the area where I was raised to really elevate breast care and close the gap to healthcare and particularly breast care disparity. So in 2018, I took on this role here at Liberty Hospital. And then uh, through that, um, I you know, became an assistant professor at UMKC. So I'm involved with the radiology residency program there uh, with the medical students at the School of Medicine. I actually teach a medical school class uh, to the second year medical students. Uh, so that's kind of how it all sort of unfolded. I started out in Missouri and then I ended back up in Missouri. That's so great. That's really impressive as well. Uh, I noticed that you said you were really interested in breast cancer disparities. And actually on my Humanity and Health website, we have an article about breast cancer disparities. So I wanted to ask you, like, is there anything that you've been targeting to reduce these disparities? Or can you share any information on the breast cancer disparity in general? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I practice in an area Unfortunately, that's fairly high risk. And, you know, at our uh, breast center, we do risk assess women. Uh, and if they are, you know, 20% or greater lifetime risk, they're considered above average risk. Our population right now is at about like 20% high risk. That's pretty, you know, large number. And I think um, so, you know, and how does that sort of fold into healthcare disparities or breast care disparities? I think that it's multifactorial. I think, you know, genetics obviously plays a huge role uh, in women uh, and in these cases we're seeing, but also, you know, access to care is a huge issue and not just uh, kind of in the area where I practice, but all, there are multiple areas all over the country, whether it's rural or urban, 
where you know access to care is a major issue. I think uh, educating patients and educating referring providers is important too. You know what uh, what is available to patients? What what do we recommend? Why do we recommend it? And if there are troubles in obtaining uh, those recommendations in terms of uh, if they can't afford a screening mammogram, that sort of thing, that there are resources available. So I've really taken it upon myself and our program to A, educate patients and providers as much as possible through community outreach. You know, that obviously there was sort of a, um, you know, pause, not pause per se, but I wasn't able to get out in the community with the pandemic. So I, you know, I started doing virtual events. So ways to educate, you know, patients, referring providers, and then also equipping our breast program with tools to helping women uh, who, for example, couldn't afford imaging uh, through our Women's Health Fund, through our hospital foundation. Uh, so, you know, having all of these uh, sort of tools, whether it's funding to pay for a screening mammogram for a woman who can't afford it, whether it's a woman who uh, can't afford gas. So we provide a gas card for, you know, so that she can get to her appointment. Uh, or if it's just me taking a few minutes talking to a patient, why, you know, I'm recommending that she have a 3D mammogram rather than a 2D mammogram, uh, particularly because she has what's called dense breast tissue. I think all of these things can help bridge the gap to help breast care disparities. We still have a really long way to go, but uh, at least we've made a splashing start. So hopefully we can continue to build on our efforts. Yeah, that's awesome. And it somewhat leads into my next question as well. But um, I noticed that you are really interested in patient advocacy and government relations. So can you explain what this specific facet is and why it's super important? Well, I think government relations is really important uh, when it comes to advocating for our patients. I think as physicians, we're in a really good position to A, have that knowledge and B, be in a position where we can educate our elected officials and work together for the betterment of patients. So one huge you know, factor is lack of insurance coverage for patients. And if they don't have the insurance coverage they need, how are they going to have access to uh, the imaging they need? So in 2018, I worked on uh, legislation to essentially pass uh, coverage for 3D mammography screening every year beginning at age 40 in average risk women. And then just recently last year, I worked with Senator Lauren Arthur on high risk breast imaging legislation uh, for those women who are high risk uh, to have access to earlier, uh, more heightened surveillance in keeping with the American College of Radiology recommendations and above average risk women. So this, you know, all of these components are so important again to uh, improve access to care. So for me, I feel that what I do in my clinical day to day is obviously extremely important, but it's just as imperative that I have those relationships with the elected officials so that I can really serve as a voice for my patients. That's brilliant. Um, I also saw that you had an abstract on PubMed regarding breast, radi breast radiology advocacy. So I wanted to ask how this ties into patient advocacy, if it ties in at all. 
Yeah, I mean, basically there's a lot of overlap, right? So with breast radiology advocacy, we're advocating for patients and whether it's we're advocating uh, to our elected officials to get the legislation passed that we need so our patients have the coverage that they deserve, that's one facet. But advocacy comes in many forms. It could be advocating for patients in the form of educating the community. It could be participating in uh, events such as breast cancer walks. It could be uh, educating patients on uh, platforms such as social media. So there are so many ways that we can advocate and educate for our patients. And that's what I find really cool about breast imaging is that there are so many ways that we can do this. Yeah, and I think the advent of social media has also provided such a great platform for some of this advocacy work. I was taking a look at your Instagram and I saw so many really great things for young women to be more acknowledged about these issues as well. Yes, thank you. Thanks for checking it out. <laughs> yeah, so this podcast is intended for younger audiences around high school and undergraduate years who are hoping to pursue a career in medicine. So I wanted to ask you if you had any advice at all regarding undergraduate years and medical school. Sure. I think that, you know, depending on what route you go, there's various routes you can go uh, to essentially become a doctor or go, go into any sort of health profession field. So I think it's important that wherever you sort of see yourself going, uh, find mentors, particularly not just, you know, uh, at your own institution or where you're going to college or school, but, you know, every, you know, at other institutions, it can help sort of in terms of diversify your knowledge base about kind of what route you want to go. And that's what's really exciting about social media is that you can, you know, literally reach out to people. Um, they're at your disposal disposal sort of eliminates that sort of red tape accessibility. I mean, that's how you found me, right? So, uh, and, you know, finding those mentors to really help guide you when you have questions can make all the difference uh, in terms of mapping out your career. Yeah, that's really great advice, especially for those who don't have connections already within their family as well. Yes. So I also wanted to ask you how you chose your specific spe uh, specialty of breast radiology. Yes. So uh, actually, I, when I was in medical school, I thought that I was going to go back to my hometown. I grew up in rural Missouri and practiced primary care with an emphasis on women's health. But one of my best friends in medical school, his mom is a breast radiologist. And he said, you know, why don't you go do an elective with her and see if you like the field? And I just absolutely fell in love with breast imaging from there on out. It had everything I wanted in a field uh, from patient interaction to the emphasis on women's health uh, to uh, procedural, the procedural aspect, I like doing procedures, to the diagnostic aspect where I can interpret at the workstation. It really had the best of every role for me. And from then on, I was sort of hooked. That's awesome. And that was actually my last question for you. So um, unless you have anything else to share, uh, thank you so, so much. This was really enriching and I'm super grateful for this opportunity to interview you. Of course. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.